Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Tim Bontemps and Bobby Marks on the morning after the NBA and the Players Association agreed on a new seven-year collective bargaining deal. Takes the league to the end of this decade, starts this summer, and the league has labor peace now for the better part of... uh, Essentially seven years, six years, an opt-out after six years that I'm sure the league will be calling upon in six years to do a new deal, but the deal gets done well ahead of a possible work stoppage beginning with free agency in July. There was an opt-out. The league was facing a decision on make an opting out of the current deal, saying that they would opt out of that deal, which would have then probably prolonged this to another. We would have been doing this all right after the draft, after the finals, but it's done. Uh, Bobby and Tim were both right in the middle of the reporting. And uh, fellas, let's start here. Bobby, you've lived with the rules and the ramifications of of a few collective bargaining agreements in the front office in Brooklyn. I want to get to some particulars, but just treetop for you as you're parsing out the details of this and what it looks like. How most do you see this maybe impacting the league and and how teams do business here moving forward? I think the my initial reaction is is that if you draft, develop, retain, you have an advantage. If you are Oklahoma City and teams like Orlando, who have we're starting to see the initial fruits of what they've been able to do. Um, and you retain those core players, um, you have an advantage over some teams that have spent substantially. Now that will start to level out. Golden State and the Clippers and Milwaukee teams like that eventually starts <clears throat> to level itself out. But how the rules are in place right now, um, you know, there are guardrails for the Warriors or the Clippers or even Milwaukee in the future as far as how they can add to their roster, whether it be a um you know, certainly in a trade or, you know, one of these, um, you know, taxpayer mid-level exception, you know, Milwaukee was able to add Joe Ingles this past year. That won't be the case moving forward here. But um, I think if you're, if you're waking up this morning, probably 27 out of 30 teams like it. <laughs> I think 27 out of the 30 teams like it. Um, yeah, it's, it's more punitive for those big spenders. I think it opens up free agency, opens up trades. It opens up spending on the lower levels. That was the trade-off in this and and right tim the league started at the most extreme in negotiations wanting a hard cap uh nba obviously has not had has not had that and that's been i I think ultimately it was a non-starter it's a place to start negotiations but even what a lot of small market teams wanted tim was they were worried they were worried about a hard cap in places like, let's say, Cleveland, where all of a sudden you're good enough to win a championship. You have a team and you're willing to go into the tax to keep that team together. And all of a sudden with a hard cap and non-guaranteed contracts, the Cavs, who use them as an example, or maybe Oklahoma City four or five years from now, mm-hmm. the smaller market teams worried, this is going to work against us because when we have to, if Cleveland can't keep Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell or they can't keep... Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I got to pick one of them. And one of those guys leaves and goes to a bigger market. It defeats, 
it defeats the purpose of why you wanted a hard cap to protect yourselves from Steve Ballmer spending or Joe Lacob spending. And that didn't happen. That's that that was off the table fairly fairly early. Yeah, I, I'm with Bobby. I, I thought my biggest my biggest takeaway on this whole thing is that if you are able to draft and develop players, you're going to be able to keep those players. And I, I thought throughout this whole discussion, like you said, going back to the very beginning when you first reported the idea of this upper spending limit possibly being in play, right? And the idea Which was that the teams NBA's would have fancy a cap word on, for a hard cap, upper spending limit. Oh, for a hard yeah. cap. That's right. Yeah. The upper, I should have used the quotes, <laughs> upper spending limit, right? They, they, you know, that, that was always the idea, right? Let's put in a limit on what Steve Ballmer could spend, what the Warriors could spend. When really, to me, what it was, what it is, is you do what you should have the ability to do is if you draft and develop a player, you should be able to keep that player. And, you know, that's where you look at Golden State in general. Like, yeah, if you draft Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, pay those guys, keep those guys on your team. But if you look at the way this has played out, yeah, the the Clippers won't be able to sign a John Wall. The Warriors won't be able to sign a Dante DiVincenzo. But if you draft to develop your own players, you'll be able to keep them. And from the union side of things, like you, like Bobby said, I think those two or three teams at the top are going to be a little more limited in what they can do. You can't have the Norm Powell, Rob Covington trade anymore that the Clippers made last year, for example, to take on more money. But what they didn't do is prevent these other teams from making moves. And in fact, I think as we'll find as this thing moves forward, I think from, I think in general, I think there's going to be more flexibility for, like you said, for signings, for trades, for movement around the league. And I, I think in general, this was a system that I think everybody thought worked pretty well. And I think this overall is going to make it work better, which I think is a win. Let's go to the one thing that was not in the CBA. and We reported on it earlier in the day on Friday. That one and done had essentially been taken off the table. It wasn't going to be part of an agreement. The league and the union had been kicking one and done kind of down the road for a few years. And there was this sense, I think at some points, that it was inevitable because the union had sort of, the league had changed course. It used to be a, the union wants it, the league doesn't. And then the league got there on it and said, we're there with well, it. Adam even at one point, Adam even at one point sort of talked about it going away, even right. publicly. Absolutely. And I think what changed was each side wanted to use it as a bargaining chip. Neither side wanted to say um, that they were losing it as part of, because it's all you're always trading in this. You're trading one thing for another. If we give here, we need you to give there. And I think what the union was saying was, hey, if you guys want this, great, but we're not giving anything up for it. A couple factors. One, the union did not and the agents did not want to give up. The, the league had wanted, if we're going to draft these younger players in with less information and less less of a body of work and we don't have college physicals, they didn't play a year in college or somewhere where we can get a sense of uh, their medical and their physical and their body Agents do not have to give, players do not have to give teams their medical information. Now, the the sort of middling player who's just hoping somebody drafts him, he'll go to the combine, he'll do a physical that everybody gets because they're trying to convince somebody to take him. But when you're a lottery pick or a player who has options, the only control an agent has in the process is if I don't want him in team A, I don't want him in city A, I can't keep you from drafting him. But I can make it harder for you to draft them because you don't have his physical. You don't know what 
his knee looks like. Does he have a heart condition? Whatever it is. And so you, it's harder to go to your owner and say, we're going to take this guy when we have these unknowns. You might do it anyway. And the league wanted I think, to uniform it where uh, the teams didn't, specific teams didn't have an advantage in that. The union was not giving that up. The agents were not giving that up. That was one of it. I think the league wanted the rookie scale to go another year. So it would be another year before players could get uh, their rookie extension or restricted free agency or uh, that was something that obviously they didn't get in talks, but I think was tied a little bit to one and done. But I think also it was a moral argument for a very long time of why are we restricting these young men from being able to go get paid, earn money? Why do they have to go to college if that's if they're ready for the NBA or they want to be there? But NIL has changed that. The G League Ignite has changed that. You can turn professional. You can go play for the G League Ignite. You can make upwards of a million dollars playing for them as part of the league's developmental system. You can go to the overtime elite in Atlanta where the two Thompson brothers are going to be lottery picks this year, making... You know, they've been there getting paid, making a good salary. That's changed the dynamic. And I think there was less of an urgency, less of a moral argument for it. And so, but deep down, most teams do not want high school players back in. They don't want to go scout high schools. I think a lot of teams don't really feel like their G League team, which is mostly where an 18-year-old in very rare cases is going to go. He's going to spend his year in the G League. Do we have, is the G League built up enough to really support these guys? And the union saw it more as the veteran players seeing it as we're going to lose jobs. They're going to draft these guys. It's going to push us out of the league. They're more vocal about that in the last couple of years than I ever heard it before. And so one and done just keeps going down the road now. Well, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, the, the more teams you talk to, there, there wasn't an appetite to be in gyms. I mean, we, you know, teams have enough on their plate trying to figure out how to, you know, draft the right college player. And now, to, now you, you go into a college gym in, you know, Southwest Texas here to evaluate a 17 year old, 16 year old here. And um, I think if the G League Ignite and Overtime Elite, some of these other academies weren't in place right now then maybe that changes a little bit here, but how the system works right now, whether it be, you know, whether it be a Jalen green, who was at, um, you know, at G league or scoot Henderson, who has been there for a few years um, and is now going to be a top pick. That's your development ground. That's where you can develop as a player, as you can develop as a, a person. It's a funded thing by the league. Um, overtime elite is a little bit different here, but yeah, I mean, I think on a list of, um, it's funny, it's one of those things where like neither side wanted it, but nobody wanted to say it, right? That's like right. <laughs> nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to say, you know what, I don't think it's good. And I, I think the, the player association back in February, you know, they came out with the right message, like, hey, it's going to be, it would be, take jobs away from some of our veterans. But at, at the end of the day, when you one out of these 60 players or one of that, these 58 players is, is going to take a job away, whether it be a junior in college or a, fre or a freshman or, or an, an, a you know, 17 or 18 year old here. But um, I think, you know, that's probably something we kick around five or six years from now, but for right now we're, you know, we, we stay, we stay as is and the G league ignite continues to serve kind of as that, as that training ground. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, there just isn't the, the, you're talking about people that aren't involved on either side, right? You have the players who are in the league and the union and you have the league and like both of those sides are essentially negotiating over people that aren't involved on either side. So when you're talking about trying to divvy things up and figure out what you're going to do, it's sort of an easy thing to push off, especially as you said, Adrian, when you, when you sort of take away the, the, the moral part of it and the fact that there is, there are all, there are all these now revenue streams for guys going to the G league night or overtime elite or NIL and college. Um, there's just a lot more financial opportunities than there were before. So now it's, you know, that that's one pretty significant plank of the argument to get rid of it. That has gone away. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Bobby, when you look at in this CBA and the spending of the upper level teams, the league certainly wanted to rein that in. I think a little bit, especially with the hard cap, because of the parity we're seeing in the league this year, it was hard to say over the last, certainly this season anyway, that there was such a distinct advantage for spending so much more than everybody else. The standings weren't reflecting it. Uh, the Clippers have spent at a very high clip. You know, they haven't won at the level they hoped they would. Mostly that's been, I think, because of injuries, not so much bad personnel decisions, although they've had players who've been injured. So th- that's part of it. Uh, the Warriors, you know, uh, certainly they've spent at a very high level, but largely around players they've drafted and kept. Durant was obviously the, the Kevin Durant coming and going and winning titles with him. Certainly, I think that was the height of this belief of of needing, you know, to rein in the the, the spending of owners who are willing. Um, to just keep plowing through luxury tax thresholds and and not caring how much it costs. Um, but I, I do think, Bobby, the, the level of parity that we are seeing in the league probably deflated the league's case that there needed to be this upper spending limit, that, that there were just teams and franchises that had to be stopped. Well, the upper spending limit would have hurt not only Golden State or the Clippers, it would, have, it would have hurt you know teams like Oklahoma City. You know, you basically would have been at a point where you were going to have to choose who you wanted to keep. Um, that's that's you know that's would have impacted all all thirty teams here. I think I think how whether it be a you know second apron and and the the first apron you know the the first apron which is currently in place in the the CBA that started you know you know, back in 2011 here, it basically, you know, it restricts you 
from adding players in a signing trade or using certain exceptions. You know, certainly Golden State was only allowed to sign Dante DiVincenzo to a smaller exception. Now we add a second apron here where that's for the heavy hitters, right? Now you can taxpayer mid-level exception that Golden State wouldn't have been able to sign DiVincenzo, adding players in a trade. That goes away. And that's kind of where we start to bring these teams back to the pack. Um, It's funny, you know, you look at, you know, Golden State spent at a high level with Kevin Durant because of the smoothing in 2016, right? They had players on good contracts. They were able to get Andrew Wiggins in a trade. Um, Brooklyn, if these rules are in place, probably wouldn't have been able to go out and and get James Harden in a trade in 2021. And that's where, the from a league's concern, is that, yes, it's okay to go out and add guys in free agency. It's okay to retain players, but it's the added layer, right? It's the add-on taking back a player who's making $43 million and sending back 35, right? It's another $7 million. And then it's another $7 million when you sign a player like Patty Mills to the taxpayer mid-level. And it keeps on adding and adding and adding. And then all of a sudden, your $20 million luxury tax penalty becomes 150 because you keep on adding each year. And that's where... That's going to start to see, that's going to be, I won't say fully eliminated, but you're going to see those teams three years from now, four years from now, the Clippers, they can keep Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The league isn't saying that, but what they're saying is you're not going to be able to go out and get Norman Powell and Robert Covington and take back $10 million in additional salary. Like that's kind of where, or go out and sign John Wall to the taxpayer mid-level exception. That's where they're they're putting up, you know, those guardrails there. Tim, the in-season tournament, which is finally here after years of discussion around it, it started with the play-in tournament. I think pre-pandemic, the league hoped they could kind of put the play-in and the in-season in almost together. I think the pandemic changed that. I think it delayed the in-season tournament, but that's now in this collective bargaining agreement. I think there's a lot of people who fall in different places on the in season, essentially, two teams are going to play eighty three games. They, they, I think, essentially, the championship game of the in season would not count among your regular season games, but the other eighty two are baked in. So you play pool play. The teams with the best records advance. There'll be a final four. Senses it's going to be in Vegas. That's been largely the discussion, and then the players will get paid extra money, a bonus. That has not yet been agreed on to for the winning teams. Uh, What's your sense, Tim, on I think the enthusiasm around the league for it? It's something Adam Silver really wanted. I think they convinced the union and owners that they could make money on this. This could be over time something that's a revenue generator. And I just think Adam Silver, more than anything, I think this is a made for TV event. Let's be honest with it. It's something to break up a regular season where TV ratings haven't, you know, where they've sagged throughout parts of the regular season. And it's been something I think that they just thought would bring some juice to what's become a slog of 82 games. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. This is a made for TV event, right? Adam Silver has long talked about things like the FA Cup in English soccer, the other cup tournaments, in European leagues, both in basketball and soccer. And he wanted to replicate that in the NBA. And you saw it a couple of years ago, it got implemented by the WNBA, right? And what did they do? They sold it to 
uh, Amazon and Amazon show the games, right? This is another avenue for them to have a product they can deliver to somebody else to have as part of their TV deal going forward. I think that's pretty clear. That's what they were trying to do. Now, when you talk about the enthusiasm around the league, I think it's mixed, right? I think there's a lot of people, you know, talking to teams over the past calendar year as this has come up and Adam has said over and over again, he wants to do it. And there was sort of an, an inevitability it was going to come in at some point. I think it will be very interesting to see how enthusiastic teams are about competing in it. I do think it's interesting the way they have structured it, where the games are part of the regular season schedule. It's not a separate thing. So I think that should engender some, uh, you know, it, I think it's going to take away one possible excuse teams would have. Where like, if you had a separate tournament and it was not part of the schedule, you could see teams going, well, like in soccer sometimes, they go, well, we're going to focus on this, the regular season. We're not going to focus on this tournament. We're not going to play in it. Because they're regular season games, I think you're that's one thing that's going to go away. But yeah, I, I think it remains to be seen how enthusiastic the players and teams will be about it. But in terms of why it's here, it's here because, as you said, I think, very perfectly. It's a made for TV event and you know, it's going to be on TV starting next season. Listen, I think a key to it next year will be, can the league get, uh, Caitlin Clark and Iowa in the play. <laughs> we, we would get People will be watching then. Oh, there's can, somebody can playing. Iowa there's somebody playing Clark teams. something else. Inst instead of go right. Instead of going to the Island classic, can we get <laughs> Iowa in the, in the in season tournament? <laughs> There's some of these playing teams that would like her right now. I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, that was that was an incredible I, I, I game. I think for me, the, the in-season tournament, you are not going to get that third. I don't know what the age cutoff is, but maybe that 32, 33 and up NBA star who's got his max deals, who's sort of at the end of his negotiating power in the league to me, you've got to go around as a league and sell the 25 and under stars. Bring them into Olympic Tower in New York when they come through. Sit down with the young stars of this league and get them to sell it. Explain to them, if you want your next max contract, if you want the revenue to grow, to go, to grow for your next deal and your following deal, you need to help us sell this because this is what's going to grow the pie. We've essentially got a 50-50 split of revenue. And again, I don't know that you're going to get that older player all that into it because if you get the young stars, if you get Donovan Mitchell and uh, uh, Paolo Boncaro and Luka Doncic, wh whomever it is, you need those guys to tell their teammates this is important, their coach that this is important, their general manager, their owner, and most of all, the fans, if you have guys sulking into this saying, we don't care about this, well, fans are going to respond to that and go, if you guys don't care, why should we? And I think, right. to me, it's important to get the younger stars and say, you're going to be the face of this over 10 years. And if, if you guys are the ones telling everybody, this matters to me, I want to win, well, the organizations are going to follow suit. They're going to play. John Morant, yep. uh, Jaron Jackson, all of those guys. And so to me, I hope that's how the league approaches it to sell this thing. Because if you don't have buy-in from the star players, everyone's going to follow them. And and yep. I, I think that's going to be a huge part of how this thing goes. 
I agree completely. And I think you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. Like, look at teams this year like Cleveland and Sacramento, right? Teams that haven't gone into the playoffs before, haven't really advanced in the playoffs before. Like, obviously, this isn't going to be the same stakes as playing in the conference finals. But if you're in a Final Four in Vegas and you're playing in single elimination games, it's at least experience playing in moments like that that maybe help you down the road. And if you are a young team, like next year, Oklahoma City and Orlando, right? Two teams with young cores that are taking steps forward. Like if they can get into a situation like that, this maybe that helps them win them. a playoff game. You, you know what it yes. looks like? Like I think... Watch, you you know, the UConn this weekend in the Final Four. You know, I watched them in Portland at the Nike event where all there's all these great college teams. They go through and beat, I think like Alabama, Iowa State, somebody else really good. They win that. And you saw like they got in a tournament environment. They won it. They kind of grew as a team. It was a team that hadn't won, hasn't been, they're sort of coming back into the national spotlight. And I think you're exactly right, Tim. The Sacramentos, the Clevelands, the Memphises, like yep. teams who've not, I get that Golden State is probably not going to be real enthusiastic about grinding through that. That's, that's okay. Or maybe the Lakers, but. There are going to there should be a lot of teams who care about it because you, you can see where it could have some value. Well, you should care. I mean, it's going to count towards the standings, right? I mean, that's still yes. that's still the end game, and it's it's not like we're adding ninety two games now. You're, we're still playing eighty two games, and now we add a little bit of a you know caveat to. I mean, hey, nobody likes change, right? We all we all like the standard, you know, eighty two games, you know how it counts. Nobody likes change, but. I don't see any harm here, especially, you know, the commissioner has been out in front and it's a 50, 50 partnership, right? As far as from a revenue standpoint, if this pot grows, salary cap grows, max yep. contracts grow, the rookie scale grows, everything grows as long as well as the salary cap grows, the TV contract that's going to be negotiated in a few years that will increase substantially here. So I, it's a, it's a no lose situation for me because it's it a there's not games being added b there's um it counts towards the standings um it's not going to add an extra layer of you know you're what you're going to travel to Vegas for a final four you know that's that's the only thing there and for some of these guys not every you know there i would say 70% of the players make below the average player salary $500,000 is still $500,000 Still a lot of money there. We we don't we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know if it's yeah. going to be five hundred seven fifty a million dollars. They haven't agreed yeah. on that yet. Um, that that's well, and to Bobby's point, fluid. Yeah, and to Bobby's point about the schedule, I think the fact that it's not these games all count towards your regular season record. I do think that's going to be really important because again, it's not like you're building in some separate thing that teams could punt right. on. Like your these are all games other than the championship game. They're all games that are going to count towards your record. So there's, it's not like you're going to be like, well, you know, if we bail on the in-season tournament, then, um, you know, we're going to get some extra rest days. Like you're, you're still going to be having to win games anyway. So I, I think from that standpoint, it was smart that they did it this way because every incentive, like Bobby said, from a financial standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, is all going to be geared toward competing in this as hard as you can. And again, to go back to the young team thing, like, yeah, maybe some of these older teams, like you said, like Golden State, the Lakers, the, you know, the Bucks, they might not have, they might not be juiced about playing in this kind of thing. But I think for a lot of younger teams, it's 
like you said, UConn's a great example. You get a chance to compete in a single elimination situation like that with some real stakes and some attention around it. There's no downside to that. So I, I, I've always been with Adam that I think it's an interesting idea. And, you know, we're talking about October, November, December in the schedule. I think it's a way for the NBA to get some extra interest. And like Bobby said, I think it's a no-lose all the way around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The league and union's agreement on tying postseason awards to games played. 65 is the number we're told that they landed on. I'm told that 65-game minimum does come with some conditions, and we'll flush those out as as more as we get more details on the agreement. To me, this is a ceremonial rule. This is a look, we're trying to do something. We're trying to show you we're doing something to curb load management to uh, impact all these lost games we're having with star players. I don't know that this is going to change much behavior. Um, I don't know what you guys think on it. I, I'm i rolling my eyes a little bit at that one. I, I get it. It is hard. I don't know how you mandate playing game. I don't know how you mandate it, and so – Maybe if I had a better idea, I, I, or maybe I shouldn't be as cynical about it, but I just don't see this impacting star players playing um, in any more or less games than they would have before. I, I don't know what you guys think. Well, I, I, I look at it, I mean, two things here. I mean, I went through the, all, the 11 players that signed Supermax contracts. The, only one player would have been affected by this, Joel Embiid when he signed his Supermax, and he would have been eligible the following year because he earned all NBA. So, you know, we can talk about John Morant all we want, but that doesn't that's for the next player down the road that's going to be short of games because the Morant rookie extension doesn't impact because it's the next CBA here. I just look at it where, like, what are the, A, what are the conditions are going to be? Because how, the, how it works, a lot of the times, teams are the ones dictating Yes. Who plays who plays. It is not just the players. No. We don't talk about that the enough. Players, it is not you know, just the players. Um Clay Thompson. It's often not the players. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's, it's often it's, the teams directly. How sports science has evolved and you're looking at the schedule back to back, three and four nights, you know, four games a week. You know, this is gonna be a rest day. What happens to the player like Damian Lillard, where teams out of the teams out of the playoffs head into the lottery? Shut him down, right? Maybe you don't play him as much. What what happens to that if he's fighting for all NBA here? So 
I, I get it. I mean, you know, there's load management's been the hot topic here, but I think we've, you know, sometimes we forget that a lot of the decisions that are being made is not the player walking into the general manager's office or the coach's office saying, you know what, today I'm not, I, I can't, I can't do it today. I'm a little sore. It's majority dictated by what the team says. Players want to play games. That that's, you know, uh, that does not, I think, as, as you said before, AJ, I don't think that gets talked about enough in this. This is all, very often a team driven thing. And at the end of the day, like you said, I sort of roll my eyes at it, too, because at the end of the day, largely when these guys are not playing in games, it's one of two reasons. One is they're hurt, which if they're hurt, they're not going to play. Like we've seen Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, LeBron James, Steph Curry, all miss a lot of games this year because they were hurt. It wasn't like they were resting. And then the other thing is when these guys tend to not play, it's because they sit one half of a back-to-back set. Well, this isn't changing the schedule. This isn't getting rid of back-to-backs. It's just saying, all right, well, we have the 65-game limit. So, yeah, I don't – it's it's a nice thing to put in a press release, but I don't see how it's – The how great it's players want to play. The guy, the all-NBA-level yes. player who's fighting to get the Supermax contract based on – being first or second or third team All-NBA or, or winning MVP, you don't have to convince those guys to play basketball. They wouldn't be those players if they if, if that The games wasn't. are the fun part. Yeah. The games are the fun part. That's what people want to do. It's not like guys want to practice and then not play. You know, guys want to play in games. That's what everybody wants to do, you know. So, yeah, I we'll see what the – we'll see what the – the devil's in the details on that kind of stuff, but yeah. I don't think it fixes the underlying problem, like you said. Well – we will continue to play the games. There, there will not be a work stoppage. Um, good news all around for the NBA. Seven-year deal done takes us to the end of this decade. And so who knows? We'll still be around in seven years to cover the next one of these. But appreciate having you <laughs> yeah, guys. I've been through I've been through enough of these. This is easy. This is an easy one. Uh, I do, Bobby, I do Tim, think before we go, yeah, yeah. I do think – The only thing I would add is to your point to what Bobby just said, I do think it is noteworthy that this, the last two negotiations in particular have been pretty smooth. And I, obviously this one took a while and there were a few, you know, extensions of the agreement, but I think you guys would agree at no point was there really any threat of serious threat of a work stoppage or any kind of delay. Like I think in general, the, the NBA is probably in as good of a labor situation but from a relationship side on both sides as it's ever been. And I do think in general, this agreement is pretty good. And yeah, I think they, makes they, some really good yeah, changes com- compared to the NFL. It's much more adversarial in the, in the NFL in baseball. Those are very adversarial league labor relationships. There's no question about that. I think the only if the league had stayed down the path of wanting the upper spending limit, the hard cap, then you would have been at the risk of a lockout and Mm -hmm. they didn't, they didn't have the stomach for it. I don't think anybody did in this current climate. And so once that was off the table, they were going to get a deal done. Yeah, for sure. Guys, thank you for jumping in. Uh, Have, have a great weekend and uh, uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.